Today on Ag News Daily. Well, Chandler Winterhoff and Delaney Howell joined here again on an Ag News Daily episode. We are looking at December 21st, Wednesday edition, brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a full look at their wonderful line of products, visit mysticlubes.com, M-Y-S-T-I-K, lubes.com. Thanks again for their proud partnership with the Ag News Daily podcast, Delaney. You haven't left the house yet, but you asked me how cold it was. So it must mean that you at least know it's freezing. Uh, Tanner, you say that, but as we're recording this this morning, I'm watching out the window as one of our neighbors is running down the street. What? <laughs> Do you, we have you a neighbor. Yeah, well, they're feeling okay. I should, we have a neighbor that's a very active runner and she runs regardless of if it's a hundred degrees outside or negative 10 degrees outside. Yeah. I'm thinking she's all bundled up. You can't see her face or anything, but that's some dedication right there. There's got to be a science around cold air going into your lungs. That certainly can't be healthy. No, I would imagine not. Well, listeners was no, no surprise to you that we do have some harsh winter weather heading towards us this week. The Midwest is expected to be hit by snow today. Accumulation totals could range from two to double digits of inches in depth. The forecast will persist through early hours of Friday and may include blizzard conditions and freezing cold. But Delaney, I think our friends to the south are going to be the ones that may be a little bit more surprised and aren't equipped as well to deal with this. As this cold air that has settled into western Canada pushes through the northern plains, Starting today into tomorrow, that's going to start to draw the moisture up out of the Gulf of Mexico. So a lot of the area here are going to see wind gusts of 45 to 55 miles per hour. Some areas in the northern plains could see up to two feet of snow. Of course, that's not great news, and it's going to push eastern easterly as we get closer to the Christmas holiday. But The interesting part is as this Arctic blast occurs, that cold front sweeps across the nation, bringing a strong low-pressure center across the country Wednesday night into Thursday morning. That will cause lake effect snow and a bomb cyclone, which is the new headline for today. That happens when the low temperature deepens rapidly, but that cold is going to bring lots of snow, even in areas as far south as Oklahoma, Arkansas, the northern stretches of Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. They won't see a significant amount of accumulation, but it may be a white Christmas for them who haven't had a white Christmas for quite a while. Yeah, I keep hearing this new term bomb cyclone. Still haven't fully figured out what it means, but it's kind of like uh, like the derecho. It just popped up out of nowhere. Right. I thought it was for headlines, but the way, the way I understood it in the articles I've been reading is the bomb cyclone term is used to determine the rapid decrease in temperature. 
Okay. Thank you. That's better than I could find anywhere else. But Tanner, <laughs> as you mentioned there, we might be having some winter weather as folks head into their holiday weekend and could impact uh, Christmas travel plans. But you know what time it is? It's time for some Christmas facts. Tanner, are you ready? I am absolutely ready. Okay. Well, my first fact here is regarding chocolate and candy. Tanner, are you a chocolate or candy eater on the holidays? Uh, every day. Oh, every day. Well, that's good. You'll join about 91% of Americans who will be celebrating Christmas or their winter holidays with chocolate and candy, according to the Sugar Association. They say that retail sales of sugar increases by about 50% each year during the period of Thanksgiving to New Year's Day, and then slowly goes back the other direction, Tanner, as people think to themselves, oh, I have to have a New Year's resolution. So that's one fun fact for you. I was also thinking we should start having you Christmas Carol on the podcast, Tanner. Me? Uh, yeah. Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> I thought it would be fun. But other fun fact for you, which is somewhat Christmas related, but uh, definitely more ag focused in general. You know, Tanner, we've seen a declining consumption in U.S. dairy products since about the 1940s. However, for, for the first time ever in 2020, we saw actually U.S. Dairy consumption increase, more specifically U.S. butter production is on the rise again. In 2020, it hit about 2.12 billion pounds of dairy produced and people consumed about six to seven pounds per person, which is a level that has not been seen since the 1940s, Tanner. So if anyone thinks that alternative meat, excuse me, alternative milk products are Taking the lead here for dairy over dairy, that's certainly not the case. And final fact for you here, Tanner, back to Christmas trees. How long do you think the average growing time is for a Christmas tree? I want to say I, I saw this fact somewhere. I want to say it's like between eight and 10 years. Not quite. Seven is the average length, but you're pretty close uh, there. I'm guessing maybe it's gets better with age if you let it go a little longer. Yeah, but then it might not fit in your house. That's true. Interesting. Well, thanks for sharing those. Again, uh, certainly some fun facts. And yes, I do enjoy my sweets during Christmas. But like I said, I'm kind of a fan of sweets all year round. Uh, I wish we could get our Congress to work together. Those are my comments, not coming out of this article. The $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package was released yesterday. And the Senate will vote on that before the end of the day, Thursday, giving the House really no time to demand any changes before they break for the Christmas holiday. You know, I understand that there's business and politics, and that just doesn't seem like a very fair way to go about this. Now, this omnibus package or omnibus, however you want to pronounce that, <laughs> is full of a lot of different things. The omni obviously falls into the beginning of that meaning all-encompassing, but the way this affects agriculture, Delaney, is it has $250 million in aid to rice producers, $100 million to cotton merchandisers to make up for losses during supply chain disruptions. There's two food aid programs, conservation crackdowns for conservation easements as it relates to tax credits, around Six to seven billion included in there for that. There are extensions for pesticide registration review. 
There is growing climate solutions act bills. There's a little bit of farm programs, about five, 55 million in there for uh, ownership and succession of farmland issues, uh, funding for specialty crops and crop insurance for those specialty crops. There's extensions for livestock mandatory reporting commodity, the CFTC with whistleblower program, which I have another article to report on in regards to their office, uh, receives raises. So there's a lot of things just kind of thrown into this bill, which mm-hmm. is going to make it next to impossible for our legislatures in the House to review if they want to vote and pass before the Christmas holiday. But the biggest headline, Delaney, that's not included in this bill is labor reform. So unfortunately, that proposed labor reform was left out, meaning once Congress reconvenes, they'll have to talk more about immigration reform. Of course, that's a big hit to our dairy producers that are listeners. Yeah, and a couple of other noteworthy things to mention here, Tanner, I think. In total, the funding for the government is a $1.7 trillion package. And Tanner, this is more than a 13% increase than we've seen in spending compared to 2021. This is, of course, working against the efforts of the Federal Reserve to rein in inflation. So certainly an interesting dynamic there as you look at that. Um, all those package you mentioned in the uh, ag specific, um, fund quite a bit of agricultural programs, but the bill also funds about $3.74 billion for agricultural disasters that occurred in 2022. So we saw, do see some notable, um, payments coming potentially for producers. But the other thing to consider here that we've talked about before I know already is that we do see a new Congress step into place in 2023 that could also impact uh, the potential to get this thing through. So I'm guessing they're going to have to do a little bit of a short-term band-aid effect, Tanner, and probably not going to get this thing fully funded before they head out for recess. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And just to hit on one headline with not a lot of extra news, but President Biden put a little band-aid on the Title 42 conversation that we've been reporting on, uh, basically stating that he wants to see it repealed, but wants to wait until after the holiday season. So I just thought that was interesting. Well, let's get rid of it, uh, but let's wait till after Christmas and time with your family. So quite quite an interesting thing here, as like you mentioned, we get ready to turn over some of our legislature seats. Absolutely, Tanner. But let's take a quick break here for a message from today's sponsor. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Tanner, as we dive into some additional news here, got fresh word this morning that a new pipeline is officially launching, this time heading east in Russia to China. Putin has overseen the official launch of the Siberian gas field, which will be a pipeline headed to China. Now, this pipeline... Um, is called the, I'm going to probably mispronounce it, Kovikta gas field, and it will feed into the power of Siberia pipeline carrying Russian gas to China with reserves of 1.8 trillion cubic meters, the largest 
in eastern Russia is this pipeline right now. This has been an ongoing effort since the two countries pledged to work together uh, shortly after the Russian-Ukraine war back in February. And they are continuing forward with lots of different discussions and partnerships. The former, Rush, former Russian president also made a surprise visit to China on Wednesday for talks with President Jinping. And at the conclusion of those discussions said that there, quote, were no limits to the strategic partnership that the two countries announced in February. And they're going to continue to find ways to work together. But of course, this is in Russia's best interest, as quite a few European gas um, needs have been shut off due to sanctions. And so Russia has made it their mission to find ways around that and are now going to have this very large pipeline heading to China, Tanner. Does it say how long it would take to construct that? Yeah, it sounds like they've started actually selling that gas to China at the end of 2019 via the power of Siberian pipeline. So this is a pipeline that's going to be coming off of that. And they're thinking it's going to be um, not at full capacity until about 2025. So I think it's already partially built at this point and going to be completely online by 2025. Interesting. That is uh, a headline that I had missed and one that could have some pretty severe implications to the future of world peace. Absolutely. Coming out of Lincoln, Nebraska, CHS Hedging LLC has been officially ordered to pay $6.5 million in penalties after their Commodity Futures Trading Commission charged the company in connection with the ghost cattle scam that we talked about earlier in the year from Washington State rancher Cody Easterday. The CFTC cited that CHS hedging, they are indicted for anti-money laundering, risk management record keeping, and supervision violations as a result of failing to implement adequate anti-money money laundering programs for its future and options trading contract controlled by Easter Day. He, Easter Day, is currently serving 11 years in prison after he pled guilty to criminal charges of wire fraud in connection to the $244 million scheme that was charged by Tyson Fresh Meats for cattle that didn't even exist. So from January 2017 through December of 2020, Easter Day was a customer of CHS and engaged in speculative trading that sustained millions of dollars in losses for the ranching company on its CHS hedging account. So it looks like Delaney, he misappropriated nearly $230 million of Tyson Fresh Meats funds and 147 of that were margin call payments made to CHS hedging. So as this speculative trading was taking place, CHS did nothing to monitor or protect Easter Day. And as part of that is now ordered to pay a $6.5 million penalty after the Commodity Futures Trading Commission charged him. That's a lot of money to misallocate. Yeah, that's a big deal. And it seems like that $6.5 million is just a drop in the bucket, considering over $147 million in margin calls were paid. Hmm. That is certainly an interesting headline. Headlines are a little slow, of course, as we head into the end of the year here, but we've got a fresh update on the outlook for pork producers in 2023. There's going to be certainly a myriad of challenges we see again in 2023, let alone having any sort of a potential production hiccup. But of all the challenges coming in 2023, analysts are saying prices are the least of hog producers' worries. 
They said, according to the latest several USDA hogs and pigs report, we've seen really static sow herds with no jolts in productivity, and we're likely not going to produce ourselves out of profit in 2023. But the challenges that producers will face currently are are definitely not small. Many believe that the threat of a border closing disease such as African swine fever continues to be one of the top challenges or threats in 2023, as well as just the potential impact to biosecurity. But they said price-wise, demand for pork has been impressive. And even with the current forecast of the slowdown of the general economy, they're saying pork prices likely won't become an issue in 2023, Tanner. So looks like strong demand and strong prices ahead for pork producers. Yeah, I only have one more headline to hit on. That's good news for producers, but let's pause here one more time for good news from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Delaney, a lot of legislature news here as we get to the end of the session. And one thing that also didn't make it into the uh, omnibus bill is the congressional stock banned, which would disallow anybody that is considered a lawmaker to produce in the stock market trading individual stocks. They are going to run out of time since that was not connected to this bill, which obviously will have to be taken up in next year's legislative session if it wants to resurface. Obviously, we know the two different views from each of the political parties as far as that is concerned. But after months of wrangling over the congressional stock ban, it looks like uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are getting their wish as it has now been left out of that. So even though it is left out of this, does not put a complete end on this. There are a lot of projects that members of Congress will carry through into the next year. It seems like there will be quite a bit of discussion as we look at our new legislative seats to see what type of progress is made early in the year. But that's the last headline I've got for today, Delaney. Well, I am out of news as well, Tanner. So what do you say we hop in and take a look at the overnights? Let's do it. Tanner, not a lot of excitement in the corn contracts, at least in the overnight here, but we are starting to still see some positive momentum push up toward the end of this week as we get into some light holiday trade. March corn in the overnight closed just up a penny at 653. New crop corn down a quarter of a cent at 596. March soybeans up 14, excuse me, up six and three quarters cents at 1486 and a half. New crop soybeans will open this morning at 1390 and a half up uh, just a penny in the overnight. Hard red March winter wheat will open here this morning at 8.54. And as we take a look at livestock and where they ended yesterday, still seeing some mixed trade in the cattle complex. February live cattle shed 47.5 cents yesterday and will open up at a buck fifty-five fifty-seven. January feeders will open at a dollar eighty-three sixty-two and a half, up a dollar fifty-two and a half yesterday. And February lean hawks had a little bit of weakness yesterday. Will open this morning at eighty-four twenty-five. Tanner, without further ado, I'm excited to kick it over to today's conversation. We've got a new voice coming to the podcast. 
So let's turn it over to our conversation with Jennifer Holiday, the new Ag News Daily intern. Well, we are certainly excited, Tanner, to bring a new voice onto the Ag News Daily podcast. Our new 2023 intern, Jennifer Holiday, hailing from Greenfield, Iowa. Jennifer, we are very excited to have you on the podcast today and also as our new intern. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to join you both and get started working with you. So Jennifer, you grew up in Greenfield. Tell us a little bit more about growing up there. Did you uh, have a family farm you grew up on? Were you involved in FFA? Let's get to know Jennifer a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on a um, cow-calf operation along with uh, diversified crops. Um, Very um, family-oriented. Um, but besides growing up on the farm, I was actively involved in 4-H and FFA. When I got to high school, I was more so involved in FFA, where I was an officer throughout most of my time in high school. And I absolutely loved to get super active around the state. And I even went to a couple national conferences as well. Outside of FFA, I was a basketball cheerleader, a dancer, and actively involved in our band and choir. Yikes, that sounds like you were busy. Your parents were probably chasing you all around, (laughs) all around the space. So what made you choose Iowa State? Um, I'm going to be honest, Tanner. Iowa State was not my first choice. I originally was completely against it because I just, I grew up in the state of Iowa and I was like, I need to open my eyes to wider scenes. So I was super gung-ho on um, Texas A&M, but then I visited the campus. I was convinced by my guidance counselor and my family to come take a tour, get to talk to some academic advisors and other students here. And once I got to see Iowa State from a different perspective than just coming here for conferences, I realized how much more it had to offer me and all of the opportunities that it had as well. So I just felt at home and felt that I could continue the very um, crazy schedule and staying super active on campus with all the different clubs and classes they have to offer. So that's kind of what drew me in. Yeah, you know, neither Tanner or I are Iowa State grads, so you're kind of out on your own on this one. But we certainly support a lot of Iowa State teams. We cheer for Iowa State when they play sports, but excited to have you. Jennifer, tell us a little bit more about all of those clubs and activities that you are involved in that you mentioned there, but also what is your major? Yeah, so I am majoring in ag studies and journalism, and I also have international ag in there as well, but that's just a smaller 30 credit major that I'm doing just so I have an excuse to travel to a few different countries while I'm in college. Um, but on campus, I am super active in student government, where this year I am serving as the College of Ag and Life Sciences Senator. So I've had the chance to work with our dean a little bit, as well as senators representing other colleges to develop um, different laws that affect students and the clubs that they participate in on campus. I'm also very active in my sorority, Sigma Alpha, which is a professional agriculture sorority So I've made most of my friends here on campus um, through being participating in that. And I've also had so many different opportunities um, statewide through Sigma Alpha, too. 
that's all really cool. And I know that you're probably doing a lot of this and being involved, not only for entertainment, but also geared towards what you want to do for the future. So what does that look like? What, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> that's a very good question. When I first came to Iowa State as a freshman, I was an ag comm major. And then eventually I switched to ag ed. And now I'm on the route that I am with ag studies and journalism because the idea of what I've wanted to do has changed so much in just three quick semesters. Uh, so right now, my ultimate ideal career would be something along the lines of ag radio broadcasting or um, podcasting. And then I would also love to have the opportunity to become a college professor in the future. So my ultimate goal is I would, um, my dream is to achieve a PhD at some point. Energy is much smarter than us. Uh, yeah, it's almost speechless here. It's because she, you just, she's intimidated you already, Jennifer. What are we going to do with you now? <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know. All the, all the interviews that Jennifer's on, Tanner doesn't show up for. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have so much to learn from both of you still, so no need to be intimidated by me. <laughs> Jennifer, I'm really intrigued about the international aspect because I also had an international minor um, in my undergraduate career because I, like you, really wanted to travel and see agriculture from different countries and different perspectives. You've already done some international travel, as I understand it, and you maybe have some additional plans coming up. But what have you seen so far that's really blown you away? Oh, my goodness, Delaney. Over Thanksgiving break, I had the opportunity to travel to Uruguay, and my favorite thing down there that I got to visit was a 50-year soil research farm. So they started this research project um, 50 years ago, actually, and they have continued the same thing throughout the whole time, where there are six different plots of land, and they are doing different crop rotations on each plot of land to figure out the best for um, the best gain of soil organic carbon. And I thought that was so amazing to learn about and also crazy that they've just kept it going for that long. Yeah, that is. And it's interesting too, you know, the U.S. obviously has a rich history here, but we only have a couple hundred years of history where some of these other countries, South America, especially Asia and Europe have hundreds of thousands of years of history. So that's really interesting. That's been documented for a long time. Yes, absolutely. And I got to see so much more diversity down there as well with rice and their cattle operations along with dairy too. So as you are stepping into this new role and we'll have the opportunity to interview or at least an excuse to interview about anybody that you want to, what, what are you looking forward to the most as being part of Agnes Daily? Oh, that's a good question. I just, I think that this opportunity is going to help me broaden my perspectives in so many ways. I'll get to talk to um, so many people that are very knowledgeable in the ag industry and lots of different areas that will help me learn about all of the different areas of agriculture that I need for my future, because I think being in ag radio broadcasting, it's not about truly um, being the most knowledgeable, but being able to talk to the people that are most knowledgeable about the topics. 
Yeah, that's a really good insight. And I hope that you bring that mentality with you to the interviews, because I always think if I learn something, then surely our listeners will be learning something alongside with us. So we're super excited to have you, Jennifer. I hate to ask this, and I should have asked this before, but are you on any social media platforms that our listeners can follow along with you on? Yes, absolutely. I am on Facebook and Instagram. So on Facebook, you can just look me up, Jennifer Holiday, And on Instagram, my handle is J-E-N-2539. Perfect. We're going to have to have you get some Twitter too, because that's where Tanner and I feel like really shine. Or TikTok. Tanner oh, likes TikTok. TikTok. Definitely. Yes. I can definitely hop on both of those. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Jennifer, it's certainly been fun getting to know you. And listeners, be on the lookout. Jennifer's voice will be popping up here and there as she helps us start to get interviews and hosts the podcast with Tanner and I. But Jennifer, thanks again. Thank you so much. Yes, it was great to meet her. I'm glad our listeners got to meet her as well. We look forward to what 2023 will bring for the Ag News Daily Podcast. But don't give up on us yet. We've got more shows to do yet this year, right? We certainly do, Tanner. We'll be off on Friday and Monday of next week. But otherwise, we'll be staying strong, bringing you some news as we head into 2023. That's right. So tune in again tomorrow as we bring the latest headlines your way. But for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.